0: I have a letter this morning that I want to read to you. Uh, I'll I'll read it in just a moment, but before I do, I I want to tell you a story. At the base of the Mount Cadmus Mountains in western Turkey, used to be known as Asia Minor, is a small little town called Honaz. Honaz, Turkey. Here's a picture of it. You'll see it there along the, the hillside there, and there's really nothing significant about Honaz. Um, nothing glamorous about it. They, they raise uh, wool, they harvest wool, and they raise crops. They raise a lot of cherries. They have a cherry festival every year, tomato festival. They raise a lot of tomatoes as well. But there's really nothing significant about Honaz, Turkey, except that it used to be the biblical little town of Colossae, Colossae, uh, you may remember it from the book of Colossians in the Bible, a group of believers Paul wrote to there. But there was nothing significant about Colossae either back in biblical days. It was, it was there at the base of the Cadmus Mountains. And, and they, again, then on biblical days, harvested wool and raised crops and cherries and tomatoes. And they also had some really good water came straight out of the mountains, fresh and clean and pure, and they were known for really good water there. In fact, a lot of theologians believe that it was Colossae that John was writing about whenever he told the church in Laodicea, I would rather you either be hot or cold. Hierapolis had the hot springs, and Colossae had those really cool springs. It's one one of three towns, tri-cities in the Lycus area. Colossae used to be more important than it was in biblical days. In fact, it was right on the Roman road system that led to Pergamum. But so you would go through Colossae as you were on the road, but they bypassed the city of Colossae and to the west. So whenever you went to Pergamum, you never even went to the town anymore. And it was really just a, a one-horse town, a hick town. Really not significant at all. Except there was a very wealthy man who lived there. Made his money probably in raising crops. His name was Philemon. In fact, you'll, you'll see a book tucked into the New Testament right before Hebrews that bears his name. I'm going through these sermons uh, on Sunday morning of ones I've not preached from, books I've not preached from. In the 18 years as your pastor, there are 12 of them, and we've looked at three or four of them, and I've never told you the story of Philemon on a Sunday morning before, so I want to tell you today. The late Haddon Robinson told the story something like this. Philemon lived there in the little insignificant town of Colossae. And Philemon was very wealthy, and we know that he was wealthy for two reasons. Number one, he had a large house, multi-stories. In fact, his house was large enough that whenever he became a Christian, he opened it up, and the believers in Christ there in Colossae all met in his home for church. They didn't have church buildings in those days. They would meet in homes. And and Philemon had a home large enough to have everybody in for Sunday service. I imagine his wife, Aphia, could cooked lunch for everybody and it was just a wonderful day. But the second reason we know he was wealthy is because he had slaves. He had slaves to do his bidding. Now, we, we're not acknowledging today that, that owning slaves is right. It's not right. Never has been right, never will be right, wasn't right then, it's not right today. Uh, Owning slaves in, in first-century Rome was far different than the slavery in the South that we knew. But regardless, it was wrong, and it still is wrong. But slavery is, is not the issue that the Bible tells us concerning Philemon. Philemon was a believer. He was a Christian. And we know that he was led to faith in Christ by the Apostle Paul. Now, we don't know when, and we don't know how, because Paul never went to Colossae. It's too, it's too much of a hick town. Paul went to major metropolises where whenever he preached the gospel, it was the crossroads, and people get saved in those, those key cities. It could be important for the entire region, the entire world, that the gospel would go. So, so Paul never bothered to go to Colossae. It was, it was out of the way. So how did, how did he lead Philemon to faith in Jesus? We don't know. But probably Philemon would go to Ephesus to conduct business 120 miles to the east. And being a smaller town, not having everything, from time to time, he would have to go to Ephesus. And most likely he was there on business one day whenever he heard Paul preaching. And Paul was talking about the good news in Jesus. And Philemon, the wealthy man from Colossae, got saved, and Paul and Philemon became really good friends, close friends, in fact, like a father and a son. Back in Colossae, Philemon had many slaves, one of them was by the name of Onesimus. Onesimus was a young man who, uh, he was a scoundrel, he was always into something. His name, Onesimus, meant profitable, and this guy was anything but that. He he was something. And Onesimus hated being a slave. He hated Philemon. He hated living in Colossae. This wasn't a big enough town for him, and he wanted to get out of there. And he started planning it. One of these days, I'm going to catch Philemon and his wife, Aphia, out of the house I'm gonna run away I'm getting out of here maybe go to Rome Rome's 930 miles to the northwest maybe I'll go to Rome but I just I just got to get out of here so uh, one day when they're gone I'm leaving but how do I make a living I don't have anything but Philemon does he's wealthy I could take some of his things. He'd never know it. He's fine. He's not going to starve. And that would finance my trip to Rome and give me some spending money when I get there. So one day when they're out of the house, I'm going to go in, take some of their things, and I'm gone. And he waited. And sure enough, one day, Philemon and Aphia were away. Today was the day. So Onesimus got a knapsack, got something large, sneaked into the house, and he started looking, and things were everywhere. He started putting them in his sack, money and coins and gold and silver and savings account and every kind of valuable. If it wasn't nailed down, he was putting it in the sack. All the heirlooms of generations of Afia and her family, everything that was valuable going in the sack, tied it up, and he was gone to Rome. Rome was a good city. You see, it, was, it had millions of people, and he could blend in there. He could fit in, and nobody would know who he was. A bustling city, thriving with people, and he could just kind of slip in and blend in. He had it made. So he took the valuables, and he went to the coast of Asia Minor, got to the coast of the Aegean Sea, boarded a ship, paid money for it, of course, from Philemon's belongings, got on the ship, sailed over to Greece, went across the country of Greece, traversed the mountains, got to the other side of the coast, the Ionic Sea, and then boarded a ship, again paying for it, with Philemon's money, boarded the ship, sailed to the boot of Italy, got off the ship, and traveled up the coast, Naples, all the way up to to Rome. (sighs) New life, out of that one-horse-hick town of Colossae, never to go back. Life is finally good. Now, living in Rome at that time was the Apostle Paul. Paul was in jail. He was under house arrest in Rome. Here's what had happened. He'd been in Jerusalem. And the, the, the Jews hated Paul, the message of the gospel for the Gentiles, they hated that. And so they arrested him and they were gonna try him. He says, I'm a, I'm a Roman citizen, I can appeal to Rome. And so they boarded him in a ship and put him and sent him to Rome. And so he's there under house arrest in Rome, awaiting trial. Now, here's how house arrest went they had Roman prisons, but house arrest was a house that the Romans owned. About three stories, and usually on the third story, so a prisoner couldn't escape, they would put him on the third story, if he was awaiting trial, chain him, hand and legs both, to a Roman guard 24-7, and he was there in the house under house arrest. Now, they, the Roman government did not provide you as a prisoner anything. Food, clothes, personal items, You had to have somebody on the outside who could run and do your bidding for you and get them for you and come back. Now, you could sit and visit with them. That's fine. But somebody had to go get your personal things for you and bring them back. Somehow, we don't know how, but the paths of Paul and Onesimus among all the millions of people in Rome, they met. How? I don't know. Theories. One theory says that Onesimus ran out of money. He used all of Philemon's money. He didn't have any of his own, so he got, a, he got a job as a Roman guard, and he was the guard chained to Paul. Maybe, but probably not. As a slave, he wouldn't get a job as a Roman soldier. But here are some two other possibilities. Maybe, maybe Philemon's money ran out and Onesimus needed money of his own and, and maybe he got a job as Paul's gopher. He would go get things for him, clothes and food and personal items and bring them back and give them to Paul and they would sit and visit. Or another option maybe that Onesimus got in trouble with the law again in Rome and he was placed in prison, house arrest as well. And they were both, Paul and Onesimus, were both prisoners. You don't know, but for some reason, they met each other. And whenever they met, there was a natural connection. You know how some people you meet and, and you just like them right away? Well, Paul and Onesimus met, and, and they, they hit it off. And I can imagine it going something like this. My name's Paul, Tarsus originally, but uh, nice to meet you. What's yours? My name's Onesimus. Ah, oh, profitable. How's that going for you? Good. Uh, where are you from? Oh uh, um, well, I'm oh I'm Italian. I'm here from Italy. i just, just down the coast, uh, Putioli uh, You know that's the port city, about forty-five miles away. Oh, Paul, Paul. Oh yeah, yeah. That's Putioli. That's where they. That's where my ship docked whenever I arrived. And oh yeah, it's a nice town. Yeah, yeah. That's where I live. I, I just came up here for, for a while. Well, what are you doing here? Well, um, just to see the lights and, and and conduct some business. You know those kind of things. Okay. Onesimus was lying. But they started talking about everything. And after you talk to Paul for a while, it's not going to be long before the name Jesus comes up. Onesimus, uh, have you ever heard of Jesus of Nazareth? Yeah, I've heard of him. A few things. Let me tell you his story. And Paul began to share the kerygma, the, the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, with Onesimus. And there was something the Holy Spirit began to do in the heart of Onesimus. He probably knew that he needed to change. He's a thief, he's a liar, he's brash. Things needed to change. So, whenever Paul said, Onesimus, would you like to turn your life over to Jesus? And the Holy Spirit said, Yes. And there, under house arrest, Onesimus gave his life to Christ. You know, folks, there's something about the gospel that appeals to every one of us. It doesn't matter if you're a brash young man from a one horse hick town or whether you're an educated Saul from Tarsus who rose to the ranks of religion. Both of us need Christ. And it doesn't matter today who you are, where you're from, what your story is. The gospel appeals to all of us. So Onesimus became a believer, and he changed. Gone was that brash, lying, thieving spirit. And in came the Holy Spirit of God changed. And he began to grow. And Paul daily began to disciple Onesimus. And it went on for a while until Onesimus began to grow, and Paul became so important to him. And finally, Paul and Onesimus became like a father and a son relationship. They were that close. And one day, Onesimus said, Paul, there's something I need to tell you. Okay, well, what's that? Well, I'm not Italian. And Paul, uh, I didn't think you were. And I'm not from Puteoli at all. No? No. I'm actually from Asia Minor, a little town there called Kalase. I know you hadn't heard of it. And Paul said, What? Of course I've heard of Colossae. I have friends in Colossae. I know people in Colossae. You're from Colossae? Yeah. Well, how about that? That's a small world. Yeah. And Paul, there's something else. Um, I'm not here to conduct business. I'm actually on the run. I'm a runaway slave of a man named Philemon. Paul said, What? Philemon? I know Philemon. You're kidding. I I led Philemon to Christ back in Ephesus a long time ago and he and I got to be real good buddies. We don't get to see each other very often, but we're really close. You know Philemon? I know Philemon. What a small world it is. tell you what. Onesimus, whenever you get back to Colossae, you tell Philemon I said hello. Well, Paul, that's that's just it. I'm not going back to Colossae. You see, I'm a runaway slave. And you know the Roman law. The Romans, if a slave runs away and is captured, the punishment is crucifixion. I'm not going back. Because you see, Paul, God gave me a new life. He gave me a new lease on life. I'm going to stay here in Rome. Rome represents new life to me. Colossae is my old life. There's no need for me to go back. I'm staying here. I'm preaching the gospel. I'm telling people about Jesus in Rome. And Paul, I'll even help you if you want. I'm not going back. And Paul said, Onesimus, you've got to go back. You, You can't run from your problems all the time. Sometimes you have to go back and make things right and make amends. Onesimus, you have to go back. You can't stay here. But Paul, this is my new life. But that's where you need to go make it right. I'll tell you what. I I know Philemon very well, so so here's what I'll do. I'm going to write a letter to him, and you carry the letter back with you. And in the letter, I'm going to tell him your story. I'm going to tell him how we met. And, and I'll send the letter back. And when he reads the letter, he'll, he'll receive you. I'll pray for that. We'll pray over the letter before it goes. Okay. So there, under house arrest, the Apostle Paul began to pin a letter Philemon back in Colossae, telling him the story of Onesimus. So Onesimus got the letter, probably held it dear to him because this letter, this letter was his life. And so he held it dear, went down to Putioli, boarded a ship, went across the Ionic Sea, got to Greece, walked across Greece, traversed the mountains back across Greece, 930 miles, boarded a ship again, went across the Aegean Sea, landed at the coast of Asia Minor. And his heart must have been going like this as he landed. How's it going to go? So with a letter in tow, he He took off. In Colossae, it must have been an afternoon where Philemon was out on the front porch, drinking some coffee and enjoying the afternoon. When you look down the road, it looks like, who is that coming down the road? And the closer he got, he said, "That, that looks a little bit like Philemon. There's no way he would show back up kind of walks like, you know, I think that's Philemon. Well, that no good scoundrel, dirty thief, that is Philemon. Authorities, arrest that man. He stole from me. He ran away. He's a no good thief. And when you get him back over here, I'll take some out of his hide myself. Come here. I can't believe you had the guts to show back up. And he goes, hold on, hold on, hold on, Mr. Philemon, hold on. Hold on, sir. I have a letter. Read this. So with one eye on Onesimus and one eye on the letter, Philemon opened it. Paul, you know Paul? How do you know Paul? The Apostle Paul? Keep reading, sir. A prisoner for Christ Jesus. Huh, Paul in jail again. What do he do this time? Well, he was in Jerusalem, and some Jews tried to arrest him, and they... He appealed to Caesar, he's awaiting trial, he's fine. To Philemon, beloved fellow worker, it's Paul. And to Aphia, our sister, honey, we got a letter from Paul, come out here. I can imagine she walking out, drying her hands, going, Paul, it's good to hear from Paul. Onesimus! What are you doing here? You no good dirty thief. Why oughta, You took all of my grandmother's things. The very nerve you have of showing up here. Hold on, hold on, hold on. He's reading a letter. Hold on. To Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier. Oh, honey, he remembered our son Archie. It's great, isn't it? It's nice. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers because I hear of your love and of your faith that you show toward the Lord Jesus Christ and all of his saints. Honey, same old Paul. Philemon, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do this, yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you and ask you, I appeal to you for my child Onesimus. You're his child? Sounds like he thinks you're a Christian. He doesn't know you like I do. I appeal to you for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he's useful to you and me both. <laughs> He knows your name, old no good. He says you're useful now. Don't buy it. I am sending him back to you, Philemon, as if I'm sending my very heart. I would have been glad to have kept him here with me in Rome, that he might serve, but I prefer to do nothing without your consent, that your goodness might not be by compulsion but by your own accord. So perhaps he parted from you for a while that you might receive him back forever. Philemon, accept Onesimus as a bondservant, not as a bondservant, but as a beloved brother. Consider me your partner and receive him as you would receive me. And if he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, boy, do you owe me, charge that to my account. I, Paul, will pay. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it to say nothing of the fact that you owed me your very life. So, Philemon. Refresh my heart in Christ and receive Him back as a brother. Folks, this letter is my story and your story. You and I are runaway slaves, we owe a debt we can't pay. And what Paul did for Onesimus, Jesus did for us. He paid our debt. And whenever we repent of our sins and submit our life to him and give Christ everything of who we are, he changes us. And we're no longer slaves. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. This is your story. Well, Onesimus, um, I guess Paul's right. Man, I hated you. Put it there. Brother Onesimus. Brother Paul. Well, now that we've got that taken care of, Onesimus, you can go out to the to the quarters, the slaves' quarters, and get some fresh clean, change of clothes, and there'll be some food out there. I'm sure you're hungry after that long trip. And get some food, and I'll I'll meet you in the fields tomorrow. And maybe Aphia walked up and said, Honey, wait, wait a minute, you didn't... I don't think you read that letter right. Let me see. He said... Paul said, don't receive him back as a slave, but as a brother. You you wouldn't send Paul out to the guest quarters out there, would you? If he came? No? I guess you're right. Well, Onesimus, let's go upstairs to the guest room. It's yours now. And I can imagine, Aphia, would you like something to eat? You know, that lentil stew of yours always smell good, Mrs. Afia. Can I have some? Sure. And the story ends. As I read that story, there were four things that really struck me. The first thing that really struck me about the story is that. Sometimes you may need to return to a place to make amends. Sometimes you need to go back to make things right. Sometimes, oh no, no, Pastor, you see, I, I'm, I'm a new, I'm a believer now, and I, I'm going to stay in Rome and I'm going to work for Christ. No, there's sometimes you need to go back to Colossae and make things right with an employer or a boss or an employee or a friend. Sometimes you need to go make it right. And I wonder if that's some of you. You're, you want to stay in Rome. You want to you stay in the new life, and I don't even want to think about that past relationship that I haven't forgiven yet. You, you got to go back. And here's the second thing that struck me. God has purpose even in bad situations. You may be in a situation today that is devastating. And you may say, how on earth can God bring anything good out of this? But Romans 8, 28 says, I know that all things work together for good. To those that are called according to His purpose and that love God, God makes all all things work together for good. And you may be in a situation, you're going to say, I don't see how, but... God sent Onesimus to Rome. Here's the third thing. There may be those in whom you need to believe. There may be those you need to believe in. If you were to come around and maybe they've wronged you, maybe they've stolen from you, maybe maybe it's their fault but if you would come along and put your arm around them and say, Brother Onesimus, there would be others who, who would do the same. And I wonder today who is your Onesimus that you need to forgive and you need to receive and you need to stick out your hand to? And then the fourth thing I noticed the gospel is for everybody. No matter what. Doesn't matter if you're a runaway slave. Doesn't matter if you're a, a jailer. Doesn't matter if you're, you're the Apostle Paul. Doesn't matter how many times you've rejected Christ. Doesn't matter how old you are. Uh, I, Lord, I, I've given up my, my, all of my opportunities. I know that you, you, don't wanna, you don't want me anymore. No matter what you've done or where you've been, the gospel is for you. And you can receive it. Now, had this been me writing the letter from Paul, this is probably what it sounded like. Philemon, good to see you. Man, we've had a good relationship. I love you like a brother in the Lord. Now, I'm sending this letter along with Onesimus, and he said that he became a Christian, but I'm not real crazy about jailhouse conversions myself. And so keep your eye on him. Uh, He may be profitable. He may have changed. He may not have changed. But you keep your eye on him but he seems to be right right now. That's how I'd written it. (laughs) But not Paul, because Paul believed that if Jesus changed you, you're changed. Now the question is, if you believe that, and if you're willing to forgive, Years ago, Nelson Mandela, born in South Africa on July the 18th of 1918. I know many of you know his story. But throughout Nelson Mandela's life, he fought for democracy. The South African people were under an oppressive regime, and he wanted democracy. He wanted people to be free, and he fought for that. He joined organizations for freedom. He joined the African National Congress and the African National Congress Youth League he formed. But the oppressive government regime they, they, they centered in on him and they arrested Nelson Mandela in December of 1956. Along with 19 others, charged him with civil disobedience and treason. Had a trial, they sentenced him to life in prison. But Nelson Mandela was able to secretly escape and leave the country. Behind the scenes, he worked for several years with those who supported freedom there in South Africa. That he was discovered, they rearrested him in 1963, and they placed him in a prison at Robben Island, one of the worst they had in South Africa. And the warden and the jailers did not like him. And he was in there 27 years. And every day for 27 years, the warden and the jailers would beat and mistreat him. And life, they were harsh, they were cruel. Life was hard for Mandela. Something happened. You'll see the picture of Nelson Mandela here on the screen. Something happened after 27 years in prison. He was released in 1990, and democracy won out in South Africa. They had their first democratic election in 1994, and guess who they elected president? Mandela. So he's getting ready for the inauguration. And they had a special section right in front where all of these family and friends and those people who had supported him all these years and 27 years in prison, all of them would support him all right there in the middle and he was going to give them a thank you. But there was somebody else he invited right on the front row. He wanted them to be front and center. The warden and all the jailers of 27 years. Seated in the front row, he said, I want them to be my guests of honor today because there comes a time, there comes a time you have to forgive and say it's a new day. Powerful. Folks, there's something powerful about forgiveness. It's your turn.